Let's turn now to the word of God, please. And we're turning to 2 Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter 4. You can turn up to the end of the chapter, please. Give me your attention a wee moment. Second Kings 4. The feeding of the 5,000 with five barley loaves and two fishes, which is mentioned in all the four Gospels, have a comparable similarity in these three verses that we're going to read and preach from this morning. That's verses 42 to 44 of Second Kings chapter 4. This here is the ninth of the 19 miracles performed by the prophet Elisha. There are four in second chapter, Second Kings 4. And Alan preached on the second one of them last Sunday morning. The raising of the Shunammite woman. And when he was preaching on the second miracle and Second Kings 4, the Lord whispered into my ear, I want you next Sunday to preach on the last miracle in Second Kings 4. And I have fed on these verses all week. And the Lord has given me a word this morning. A word without a doubt for many of us here today. And as the Lord said to Peter, go down and catch the fish and there'll be a gold coin in his mouth and there'll be enough for thee and for me. And there's plenty for me and there'll be plenty for thee and you'll see there'll be plenty left over because that's what happened in these miracles. So let's cast your eye, please, on verse 42. And those of you who are familiar with the gospel narratives of the feeding of the 5,000, you note you note in your mind how many things are here. And there came a man from Baal Shalasi. And he brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. And his servitor, or his servant, which was Gehazi, said, What? Should I set this before a hundred men? He said again, Give the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, they shall eat and shall leave thereof. In other, in other words, 
there'll be much left over. I don't know if there were 12 baskets or 20 baskets or 100 baskets, but there was much left over. And he set it before them, and they did eat, and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. The first thing that I saw about this, these three verses, first of all, there was a nameless man. A nameless man. It just says that there came a man from Baal Shalast. It doesn't say he was a holy man or a great man or a married man or a young man or an old man. It says nothing to take away from the fact that he was an ordinary farmer from the mountains. And that's where he was from. But there's one thing that we can deduce from this. He was a good man. Because the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He took the journey of many miles in a dearth, in a famine. And if you care to look at verse 38 of the chapter before, it says, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land. There was a famine, and it was seven years, and it's coming near the end of it. Where he got something to bring, I don't know. He took a journey of many miles in the midst of a famine from, from Shalasi to Gilgal with the first fruits of the farm of his crops to feed these men of God. A hundred of them. 101, counting Elisha. This man's tithing this man's giving of the first fruits shows his obedience and his benevolence and his compassion to the people of God. Because not only did he save their lives, and he did because they were starving, but there was much left over. And dear knows who got that. And dear knows how long it did them. And dear knows how many were touched by the lives, and we know there were many touched by the lives of these prophets. And you come into the next chapter, you have Naaman, and then you have the next chapter, the chapter after where they built an extension on. And then you had the valley full of ditches and all that sort of thing. God was working, and the smiting of the Syrians. This man is one of God's hidden arrows. For a crisis hour. I believe that this church is God's church for a crisis hour. And I believe that there's some of you here this morning, you're not very important, and I'm not important either, nor is this place. 
But I believe that there are some of you here this morning and you're God's men and women for a crisis hour. But you'll be hearing next Sunday night that we're in and coming into an awful crisis, an awful crisis hour. This is one of God's hidden arrows in a quiver who God has pulled out in the time of need. His name is not emblazoned on social media or billboards or local press. We absolutely know nothing about him. He never stood in a pulpit. He never stood in open air. He never spoke a word. We never hear of him after, and we never heard of him before. Just a man from Shalasse, silent, secret servant. He lays by his offering according to the word of God. He garnishes it from whatever he can gather from his flock, the first fruits, and he delivers them himself in the nick of time. I heard a man quoting Psalm 40 about a week or so ago, and we quote it so often. He brought me up out of the merry pit and set my feet upon the rock and established my go and put a new song in my mouth that many shall, and here's the word that struck me, many shall see it, not hear it. Boy, that word jumped out at me. Many shall see it and fear. You see, it's not a matter of what we say. not a matter about the boasting and the things we're going to do and the things we say and I'm going to do for the Lord. It's what we see. What we see. The fruits. You know, I want to say this very graciously this morning. People have come to me and they say, oh, you're a powerful people keeping this church open. Ten times the police came and you stood against them all the time. And boy, you've done a great work here. You kept the people going and the people had somewhere to go. Let me tell you, it was open for three weeks and some of you never came in. You hear that now? That's the Vic I'm rubbing in. It was open for three weeks. Some of you never came in. It's what we see. It's what we see, my friends. Many shall see it. What does your mother see, young man, in your life? What does your husband see? Hmm? In your home. Many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. Nameless man. Remember the Lord Jesus sent his disciples, he says, I'm going to prepare an upper room. Go, go, he says to the disciples, and you'll meet a man. Do you know who his name was? Indeed you don't. You never read him before, do you never read him after? You'll meet a man, follow him into the upper room. And they went out and they met him and he came with the water pot and they followed him into the upper room. Well, I tell you, that man will have a reward in heaven. He had the room ready. And revival broke out in the room. You'll not hear that man saying, oh, listen, oh, I, I, listen I got that room ready. I, I led the disciples in. No, no. 
Does any of you know whose Paul's, Paul, the apostle's sister's name is? No, you don't, for I don't. Do you know what Paul's sister's son's name is? No, you don't. Paul, Paul's sister had a son. He was only a wee fellow, you know. And God used him to save Paul's life. He went to the chief captain and he says, Captain, and the, the, he must have been a small boy. The man took him by the hand. He took him by the hand. The wee fellow by the hand. He says, what's wrong, son? He says, there's 40 Jews and they've sworn. They're sworn. There's 140 Jews. They're sworn that they're going, they're sworn that they're going to kill Paul. And they're not going to eat and drink until they do it. And he saved Paul's life. Large doors swing on little hinges. On a snowy February morning in Colchester, when the preacher didn't turn up, do you know who preached the morning's Spurgeon was saved? No, you don't. You see, God has something to do for you, with you, for you. He has gifted you and me. To do something nobody else can do. So first of all, he was just a man. That's his identification. Just a man. Farmer. From the hills. But a man God mightily used. The second thing we see about him is his location. Baal Shalasi. That tells me more than anything else. And I'll tell you what it tells me. The wicked, evil Jezebel and the false prophets of Baal have taken control of the whole land where he was. Shalasi was up on the mountain. It was under the mountain of Mount Ephraim. And if you know your history and geography, you'll know that it was infested with idolatry, immorality, and apostasy. And every vestige of the worship of Jehovah and all his altars had been pulled down, burnt, and destroyed. They worshipped the goddess of fertility. The sun, the moon, is where they got their crops, they said, from, and how they got their weather from. And God says, I'll show you. And he struck seven years of famine on them and they couldn't do anything. And all their gods and all their idolatry. They sacrificed the children to the God of Moloch. And any mention of Abram, Isaac, or Jacob, they were slain and they were imprisoned and the prophets were hiding. And only a remnant stood. This man stood. She changed even the name. Now listen to what I'm saying this morning. The devil changed the name and put Baal in front of Shalasi. I'm controlling this. He put a stamp on it. I tell you, he's putting a stamp on a lot of things today. And we're letting him. There's a whole lot of towns and cities here in these scriptures that fall that fell to Satan. Baal Herman, Baal Peor, Baal Perazel. 
The devil stamping his name on towns and cities and families and churches. And we're letting them do it. When the communism was striving mighty through the land in Russia, they changed the names of Petrograd, the city of Petrograd, to Leningrad. Stamped it after Lenin. The city of Tazartan to Stalingrad after Stalin. The devil loves to stamp his name on cities and on towns and on families and on churches. Baal Shalassie. I tell you, it was no picnic living where this fella lived. None at all. I say to you that before our very eyes and under our nose in this seedbed of Ulster of the gospel, the devil is stamping his name over all things that we cherish as people of God and we're letting him do it. One of the most precious promises that God gave us and one of the first was the rainbow. After the flood, the rainbow. Well, it's Baal bow now for they've stamped their name over it. And that's gone on and on and on and on down through society this morning. The sodomites are stamping their name everywhere. On the school toilets and on the children and in the and government and everywhere they can get, and they haven't a gut to stand up for them. Stamping their names over the hospitals and over the incinerators where they're burning the children and beating agreeing with them and others. The judgment of God will be on them. I tell you, my friend, this morning it's time that we wakened up. It's time that we took heed that the devil stamp. Every day, and he'll stamp your child and take it to hell. He stamped it across church after church. Baal, shall I say. Boys, I could go on with this this morning, but I haven't time. Schools, homes, society. Police superintendent said to the recruits, call me no longer, sir. You have to call me mum from now on. The teacher said to the child, has said to the children there, not so, don't call me miss now, call me missy, mister. There's no such thing any longer now. My friend, this is where we're going. This is what is happening. This, this, this is where we're being taken. You're not a policeman anymore. You're not a postman anymore. You're not a fireman anymore. You're not a sportsman anymore. But I read a wee verse in Hosea, and it blessed my soul. And the wee verse in Hosea says this, I will take away the name of Baal out of her mouth. And he did. And destroyed her, and the dogs licked her blood. I tell you, the enemy's in for it when God releases his judgment. There's the identification. There's the location. There's the donation. He honored the Lord with the first fruits 
Now sit tight now. With the first fruits of his crops. He obeyed the word of the Lord in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, even though in these conditions. And I say to you, the only reason that this man had a crop at all in a place at this time was because he honored the Lord. Listen to Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all thy substance, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Give him first. Make him first. If you're struggling financially, Christian, in your home this morning, you examine your tithing. Examine what you're giving to God now. Will a man rob God? Yes, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. The command retithing in the Old Testament of this man was to the Jews was this put the first fruits of the land of the year in a basket and present it to the house of God. It was called the ingathering, Deuteronomy 18, 3 to 5, and presented to the house of God. But listen. There's no house of God and there's no priests for him to bring them to. The devil has took them over. Do you, th- do you think that this boy is going to give it to the apostates? Do you think that he's going to give the first fruits of his land and what is due to God, that he's going to this, this Jezebel situation and scheming and all that's going on here? That's what they wanted him to do. But this man looked round him and he says, where is there a man of God? Where is there a people of God? Where are there people in God in need? There are many miles away, but I'll bring the first fruits. And he hazarded his life. And again, I say how he got the first fruits. I don't know how he got anything. I don't know in the seven-year end of a a famine. Remember this, the judgment before, the famine before that was three and a half years, remember? And God ratches his things up and things are being ratcheted up ratcheted up today they're getting worse the covid came in and hit the old people and then it hit the middle-aged people and then it hit the 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 the, 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 the teenage people now it's hitting the children babies well let me tell you this friend if we don't take heed to what God is saying and what God is doing, and if we don't awaken up, if we don't, the people of God, waken up to the fact and the hour that we're in, then the next is going to be fierce. Because it was the last judgment of the plagues when they touched the firstborn in every family that broke Pharaoh. I don't know what it'll take to break us. I don't know. All I know is God told me to preach like this. I don't know. Where, where, is the, where are the people of God? Where can I bring me tithes and offering to now? I can't bring it to this system. I can't bring it in amongst these false teachers that have denied Jehovah and denied the blood and denied the cross and, and have scuppered everything out of the way. And I'll tell you something else. This boy didn't use the plague as an excuse not to tithe. 
I wonder what a whole crowd of the God's people have done for the last 18 months that never went into the dark in the door of a church and are still not doing I wonder what they did with their tithe. Oh, there's a famine and there's a plague and there's a pestilence now and we, we have to stay in, we have to shut the door and God understand. No, he doesn't understand. I see them out in the supermarkets. I see them out on the streets. I see them out in the, mar- in the fairs. I see them everywhere. In the northern church. Oh, can't go. Nameless man. Faithless man. You not go far out in, in the Lord's work and in the churches until you get a skeptic and a critic and a scoffer like Gehazi. What, he says, what? Set this before a hundred men? One barley loaf for one man would only be 20 men. What about the other eight? One man had ate two of them, maybe. What? Don't be a fool. Are we mad? What an insult this was to the man of God who toiled and labored and brought the offering down into them and left it and left and never said a word. What a rascal is this to be in amongst any people of God. And he was the servant to Elisha. But when you come to the end of the next chapter, you'll see God struck him with leprosy. Put an end to him. Boy, the Lord tolerates a lot. What about Andre in the Gospels? There's five barley loaves and two fishes here. What did Andre say? Oh, what are they amongst so many? I would say, be careful now, Andrew, what you're saying. Be careful, Andrew, what you're saying. Remember what you have already seen. What did Andrew say? He saw saw the calming of the storm. He saw the man from Gedara released. He saw the dead raised, the lepers cleansed. Was it not him that brought his brother, foul-mouthed Peter, and God saved him? Be careful now what you're saying, Andrew. Ain't God not able? What are these amongst so many? Way with unbelief this morning. When we're dealing with the God that we're dealing with. Gehazi. He had witnessed eight miracles. And he was as hard as that. What have you seen this morning? What have we seen this morning? You've seen your mother saved. You've seen your son saved. You've seen your daughter saved. 
You've seen God blessing you and God providing for you and God saving, and saving your children and keeping your children and supplying your need and you doubt him this morning. This boy was at the Shonamite's home last week with Alan. And he saw the boy raised. This boy was at the widow with the pot of oil and saw the widow and her two sons fed. Oh, the curse of unbelief. There's a, in Psalm 78, there's a wee verse that says, the limited, the Holy One of Israel. Don't limit the Holy One of Israel. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. It's time now that belief started to kick in in some of your lives and faith. Now what I'm going to say now is, personal to do with this church. In 2008, when the building contractors and the renovation of the barn came to a standstill because there was only a few pound left and we needed thousands. I want to say this this morning and the ladies in the church and shall not mind. I believe I believe it was not for one woman who wouldn't want to be named. You know what she did? She got a big, big, long calendar thing and she noted down all the gifts that had come in up until then. And the money that had come in and then she drew a line and put down the money that had to come in and it was colossal. boy says we'll never do this and the left and a number of families left we'll never do this and to nail that up on the back of the old barn there and every time I got up to preach I see it and every time during the day I walked up and down I saw it and I thought to myself God you have been so good look at what you have provided up to now and we have to have so much money for the builder next Monday and we haven't got it. But by Monday come we had it. And had it all. And got it all. And long ago all paid for. There was one woman mustered us Got us going in faith. I must say she doesn't know how defeated I was and down I was. I tell you, friends, we have a great God. Great God. God give this man here the health and the strength in the midst of a famine and the enemy all around him to win a crop of some kind. And when he got it, he gave it. And when the man of God got it, he gave it again. You hear that? 
he giveth again. When he got the first fruits, he says, this is for the Lord. Do you do that? Do you do that every month, every week? Your tithe and offering? If you earn a thousand pound, there's a hundred pound of that belongs to the Lord. That's the, that's the tithe. And then there's the offering, maybe 20, 30 pound on top of that. Well, you're robbing God. He gathered this all up. And I don't think he would have had much left. And he gave it to God. He gave it to the man of God. And the man of God gave it on. And let, let me tell you, we don't hoard money in this church. And you tithe and you tithe well in this church, those of you who come, and thank God for you, we don't hurt it. We're putting an extension up here and the plans are already gone in and that one squeak be out of any of you that we can't do it. There's staircases and lifts, there'll be room maybe for 70 or 80 or 100 people up here. God will supply the need. Not a squeak of unbelief from any of you. Because that's the God I have been serving for 50 years. Give it. We'll get it, we'll give it. Woe betide the believer who God blesses fruitfully and financially and doesn't give the first fruits of the tithe unto him. If it's your gift, if it's your talents, if it's your time, if it's your tithe, me first. Woe betide the preacher who God gives the finest of the wheat to. As he whispered in my ear, sitting there last Sunday morning, I want you to preach. And I says, Lord, there's only three verses here. So that's the word for next Sunday morning. Woe betide me if during the week have I fooled about and hashed about and went to boards of governors and rocked the country and ran the country. God I had to give judgment for this message here. God forgive the men who God gives the finest of the wheat and the barley too, and he doesn't deliver it. Cursed is he that withholdeth the corn. The word speaks for itself. Quickly, nameless man, faithless man. Elisha, the heedless man. Thank God for a man or woman who will not hear the scoffer or the critic or the skeptic. Thank God. Thank God for men and women who say like Paul in the storm when all seem to be lost. I believe God. 
this dearth, this famine, this plague, this pestilence did not halt this man. And it's not going to halt us. Now I want you, just as I close now in a minute, gaze upon the scripture here. Look at verse 42. God brought this so clear to me. In verse 42, Elisha says, Give unto the people that they may eat at the end of it. Verse 43, he says it again, Give the people that they may eat. For this says the Lord, they shall eat. Now listen, give, they're going to eat. Give, verse 43, they're going to eat. Verse 44, and they did eat. They did eat. It seems to me, I think he was cross. And the servant of God has a right to get cross, you know. I think he was cross with Gehazi. He said, give them to eat. Give them to eat. They shall eat. And they did eat. That's the difference in the carnal man and the spiritual man. And there was leftovers. There'll be leftovers. There'll be plenty leftover. That's what the Lord spoke to me when I left my job. And I was concerned about finance until that night and after that night. Never, never, ever crossed my mind. Never, never had a thought. I was in Woodford Hall. Mr. Lennox was preaching. And he preached on Peter and the fish and the gold coin in his mouth. And I was sitting in the back of that meeting and my mind was in turmoil for I had left a lot Nothing of any significance as far as God's concerned. But I had a wife and I had two children and I had no job. And I had no job. And he looked down towards the back, Lennox, that night. And he says, always remember what the Lord said. He says, there'll be enough for you and there'll be enough for me. You'll not be without if you put God first. If you give him the leftovers, there'll be nothing left over. You hear that? If you give him the leftovers, there'll be nothing left over. Make him first. And do you know, my friends, the answer to this whole thing was the, is the answer to our need this morning a spiritual intervention. A spiritual intervention. In the midst of the dearth and in the famine and in the plague, 
in the midst of that awful, awful, awful apostasy. When the prophets were all hiding and duking, and she was ran, r- running the country with all her evil and wicked works, and all the men of Baal, and all their worship of idols, and everything else going on, one man stood up, and when he stood up, God took a hold of him, and God blessed him. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And down he came. And when he handed it over, then God stepped in. He had to hand it over, you know, before God stepped in. Have you handed it over? You're praying away for things. Have you handed it all over to the Lord? When you're at wit's end corner and you have nothing left and you just say, I can't beat, Lord, I'm beat. Then he'll come. And he fed them hundred men for how long, I don't know. And he's still feeding us today. Glory to his name. Let us pray. Let us quieten our hearts before the Lord. If the Lord has been speaking to you this morning about anything, you make sure you obey him. Father, we just thank you for your word. We just pray, Lord Jesus, that thou will bless thy truth. These hidden truths, these hidden verses, tucked away in the precious word of God for our learning. Accept our thanks for help given. In Jesus' name, amen.